0: As a contractor.
1: Hello. uh, Welcome to the first episode of Refactor in Blood. Uh, I'm Duncan, and speaking with me here today is my guest, Zal Tonya. Hey, how are you doing? And, uh, Zal, how long have you been a developer? Uh, Well, uh, it depends on how I count it, but uh, about uh, nine years or so. Right. And of those, how many would you say you've done? as like a consultant or working in some sort of consulting or staff augmentation role,
0: um, I've been working as a consultant, I'd say for about four years. But I've also been uh, my professional career largely has been comprised of smaller projects, uh, even in my FT position. So um, I'm I've been coasting in that world space for. Six
1: years, sure. So if you were to guess, like, and this is, I think, is a telling question. We're like, can you even say how many projects you've worked on?
0: Oh yeah, actually, probably could. Why are you going to make me count right now? Um, Let's.
1: We'll do just yeah. Give us the ballpark number.
0: uh, I've probably worked on seven separate con uh con, not concise, but uh, separate projects.
1: Sure. So that so you've had experience of uh, dropping it, and how many of those have been greenfield versus like more established projects?
0: Uh, when can you define greenfield for me?
1: That's a really tricky question. Uh, in this case, greenfield, I mean like, let's say that there's anywhere from a design document to under two thousand uh, lines uh, of code for, from scratch. Okay, okay, okay. yeah, okay. yeah. Um,
0: so I've done, I've worked on probably in a professional. Uh, capacity i have probably worked on one two three four green fields and then the rest have all been um established projects
1: yeah yeah aka brownfield brownfield <laughs> is that what we're saying that's i've <laughs> i've heard it more than once and it, it sounds vaguely scatological but yeah, yeah.
0: fair but, okay fair
1: it's uh yeah it's no, I mean, sometimes it's it's like Brownville's program, perfect. I'm like, yeah, this, this is a shitty project. Like, this is some shitty code. But so one thing that's interesting is when you come into an established project, you kind of have to deal with what's there and you don't necessarily get to say, all right, burn it all down. This sucks. You guys are stupid. I'm starting over.
0: No, you certainly can't.
1: Like, so then I guess uh, leading up to the first question that we talked about right before this, as we were panicked going what the hell are we going to talk about? Right. Jeez. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I think a good a good jumping off point is what do you do as someone in like a consulting or augmentation or just we need to finish this damn project, like roll like the first, you know, one to two weeks you're in a code base. How do you how do you get acquainted? How do you start doing things? You know, when do you start making commits?
0: Of course, of course. Well, one of the things that of course you've got to Take into consideration is that the original uh, bill of sale that you've received may not entirely be accurate. Um, you may not have been provided with an accurate uh, representation of what your taxes are. Oh, is wait, let's back
1: up. You're saying that someone would ma- make material misrepresentations about the quality and features of their project before oh, not signing the... a contract? <laughs> right, right. How could anyone do that to another person let me and be... sleep at night? Uh, (laughs) let me be
0: generous and say it's not necessarily about the 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 quality but it's just more about um of course requirements are going to be changing or maybe the the person communicating the technological requirements is not the same person as the one who's doing some of the design work on the technical
1: team sure and then where does like have you had to interact directly with like the you know like basically the i guess The business development side of things or the even where they actually sign the contracts because i always thought it was strange that very few engineers i've known actually were in the room when they signed the contract for what the engineers were going to be doing
0: that's a good question uh i don't think i've ever been in on the signing um i've been part of the rfp so that's providing so what is an rfp uh, uh rfp is request for proposal
1: right or I, I don't know you tell yeah, me but, but, so uh, right I'm the, acronym, the, is, the uh, re- acronym
0: is the acronym is escapes me but the 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 gist of it is uh, before you sell to someone um usually a, a client will have a business requirement and they're going to solicit vendors to uh, provide a service And so you are providing basically a combination of, of estimate proposal and really rough Mm. specification. So Um, like,
1: let's say I come to you and I'm like, listen, I want, I need a program to handle like, I don't know, these 10 million records and I want to have a globally available app. That's just like a CRUD app that lets users, you know, like you operate a CMS on top of it. Absolutely. And so you would then, like what write up a basic spec document of go, okay, based on your requirements. Really rough. Yeah. yeah.
0: That we can, number one, we can do it. Number right. two, here's how long it's going to take. And number three, this is a general bulk park estimate of how much it's going to cost and maybe some whys and wheres. Now
1: that makes sense for a Greenfield project because you can really go, okay, based on how you're describing this, I can think about the, in technical terms, what I would do. But when they go, we have an established app written in X that, in, and we're using data store Y. How can you really get an estimate of that? I mean, are they willing to like, show you the code before you? I mean,
0: the short answer is, of course, you can't. Um, but okay. the so long answer is, right? How do we do business? <laughs> but the, the long answer is, you can actually get closer to a reasonable guess than you might uh, think. Um, not in the sense of of being perfectly accurate, but being in enough of like a Ballpark that it's not going to break the bank. Like you can get within um uh, what was it, a unit of scale or an um, order of magnitude.
1: Yeah. Okay. So so you're sort of like all right. it You know, made there may be overruns of like between ten and fifty percent, but we're not going to completely miss it. Exactly. Which is interesting because in a lot of things, ten to fifty percent sounds catastrophically off. I know. But in when it comes to like construction and also building code if you can get within 20 percent of your estimate that's really good that's great that's pretty, great. Good. That's pretty like, good and 50 percent is certainly tolerable for like <laughs> you know a, a given module right but okay so let's let's circle back so how do you if you look at a code base on day one are you like these bastards they tricked me they said they said that it, they didn't use string based parsing for routing like how do you
0: no i I'd, I'd, i've never really had that reaction i've never felt betrayed I I, I (laughs) understand that uh, I think I understood going in that um, miscommunications can certainly happen and and my responsibility is to be prepared for the requirements to be different Um, uh, so well I guess let's break it down a little bit Um, I mean first of all day one you are not going to know what's going on
1: Does it even build day one like I've almost never come onto a project that oh. I was even able to get whatever it was running locally in less than like a half day or a day or two
0: so well'll uh, oh, yeah I'll get to that. Um, so so uh, you are not going to know what's going on but the best thing you can possibly do is produce immediately you need to produce, some sort of competence right away and one of the most valuable things you could do is very early on show them that something good can happen and building their solution on day one if you could pull it off that's a good sign
1: oh i mean i just literally mean like it's like okay we want to add this feature and you're like okay well i'm getting this error like we need the stack trace that says like, you know, like undefined is not a function or oh. I'm getting a null pointer exception on day one. And they're like, Oh, right, right, right. That's because we, you know, you can't use Gradle for this. You know, you have to do our bespoke package manager and you know, perfect. Like, yeah.
0: Perfect. If you can get, if you can get an error in their code on day one, you are in their code base. You are, you mm. are viewing their work. You are participating in their process and, you know, I mean, maybe you're embarrassing their staff a little bit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> N- nobody likes saying it works on my machine. Nobody does. Like it. Um, yeah. But although actually, that's not true. Some people love saying it works on my machine, but uh, those people generally um, have difficulty being successful in projects. Oh,
0: yeah, that's true. Um, uh, but your enemy is time. I mean, quite frankly, just the same as anything else, first impressions are very important. You've got a limited window of time in which uh, they're going to decide how you're going to fit into their little informal hierarchy, and you're going to need to show them that you're going to be a driver of, of the project's velocity. Uh, and you're going to show them very quickly that you are not going to be a drag on on what they're doing or on their internal resources. Mm. Um, there's
1: there's a guy um, Eric Dietrich who wrote a book called Developer Hegemony, which I'm obsessed with. Uh, yeah, and he talked to, like I think he had something recently that was about um, status eligibility, because <laughs> like within a team and within a company, he goes I'm L one out two, but then if you bring in someone from outside, like you know, consultant or anything like that. And it's like, well, he was talking about in the sense of, like, being able to get a principal engineering role and in the sense of, like, career growth and getting, like, these, like, gold star, like, ooh, this is something that we only promote from within, like, these. But I think that there's another way of thinking about status eligibility or another, like, use of that, which is, like, (laughs) on day zero, you could be anybody. You could be slightly below their junior dev and you're just a pair of hands. Or you could be someone who, like, doesn't directly challenge their senior architect but seems to kind of have war stories and make suggestions that imply that like you actually know more about these kinds of systems than they do based on your experience. Yep. But then do you ever, is it wise to be like political and like sort of cloak yourself or on day one are you like, Oh, so this is you're not doing this dependency correctly. This is a common Uh, mistake or like,
0: well, obviously, again, you are going to be learning. I don't think that you're ever going to step into a scenario where you have all the answers for them on day one. I, I don't. So, so
1: not that you think. have the answers, but you know that their answer is worse than other. Like you're just like not, not, not that you're like, I can solve this. I know the best way, but like. I know that this is not. Cor- I know that this is not the amount of time and effort that this usually takes.
0: No, no, no. These first two weeks, the most important thing you're going to be doing is asking questions, not giving answers.
1: Hmm, that's a good. Um, I should try that sometime. Um, that's a good idea. But then, do you find the questions you ask? Is there a way to? How much do you have to pretty them up? Because sometimes you're like, "What the hell were you thinking?" You know, no. <laughs> and you're like, "What?" Were, versus like well, I just want to understand the original acceptance criteria and understand how project requirements have changed over time.
0: That's Yeah, that's fair. Uh, No, I mean, obviously you want to be very diplomatic. For one thing, you might be wrong about your assumptions. Sometimes there are things that people decided to do that have actually very good reasons. Um, Maybe it was simply a constraint. Maybe there's a technological or a business reason uh, why somebody came to that conclusion, and it's very valid. Um, so I would say the questions that you ask is, uh, oh, I, I got a phrase for it. Um, you ask next year's question. Those are the questions you want to start asking. You start asking questions that um, about how the system is meant to evolve. Mm. Um, and so those questions force someone to think, uh, and if someone has the answers to those already that's great if they haven't really considered them already then that's a good opportunity for you to um, start working with them to come together with answers or hear simply what their thoughts are um,
1: do you, I mean do you find the clients appreciate it when you call this out or does that sometimes oh you don't want to you're not calling it out you don't want to call uh, something out already <laughs> already you can see the terminology is different like uh, uh, in some places, you're like, oh, let's call it out, and and so with your clients, you're just like politely asking.
0: Well, you're familiarizing yourself with the system, right? Um, but but so you are you obviously are taking a moment to familiarize yourself with the system. Um, you are trying to evaluate what the team roles and distributions are, what the responsibilities are, um, what the technologies in use are, you know, what the limitations are and what your role will be, of course, as well. Um, You're just trying to confirm that it is what you expect it to be.
1: And have you ever been on something where you felt like your role, not necessarily that you were sold a bill of goods, but that your role was significantly different than what you thought you were going to be doing? Yeah, of course. Can you tell me about, like, a, a concrete example?
0: Sure, sure. Um, I, uh, Feel free to
1: anonymize it. Uh, oh, that's going to be hard to do. But it's, um, it's Just say FooCorp for everything. Yeah,
0: FooCorp. Uh, so I've had a, a couple of engagements where the enthusiasm, the original enthusiasm for the scope of the project, um, was larger than the real business need, um, and which is a part of the value I provided. Um was turning around, and giving them what they actually needed. Um, so uh, one position, um, I was brought in as uh, as a as a developer, an application developer, and it turned out very quickly to, to be the case that they really just needed a web administrator. Not that was not a very pleasant experience but they needed one so i did it you know what are you going to do um they have a business need they have a requirement uh it is going to be very positive for them for the task to be complete make it happen
1: yeah make it happen so just and then is that do you have any opportunity to like adjust your billing rate based on your own Happiness or unhappiness with it, or or based even not even oh, in terms of difficulty.
0: I've never really that that so. Just as a a point of context, uh, I am not a um I'm not a business myself. I am not an independent consultant. Um, I largely have worked through other firms or have been, whether that's an FTE through someone. Um. Uh, as part of a larger group right. or a partnership. I d I don't sell my own services. I think that's
1: a key distinction. I um I remember I told multiple people I was I was working for I was basically that I was like off to be a consultant and yeah. they were like, good luck. You know it's really hard to draw up business and I was like, oh I, I meant I'm working at a consultancy. Yeah. Right? yeah. And it's like it's a big and I feel like they're two very different markets, right? One of them is like I'm an actor and the other is like, I'm acting, directing, writing and, you know, promoting. Right. Um, yeah. So our, our scope is those things are sort of thankfully out of, out of our domain a little bit. Yeah. But um, once somebody
0: signed the contract, the rates signed in, I mean, it's locked in. Right. So, uh, so the answer to that question was, I mean, they paid me more than they ought to.
1: Right. And then how do, you, this is a tricky thing I've found is, you know, you, in the long run, repeat business is king. Treating customers well is how you get repeat business and repeat business is, is the lifeblood of your, of, of like most consultancies, Yeah. because it's not like uh, they do something once and then they never need anything again. Even if you do everything for them perfectly in five years time, they need a new system. They have new needs, you know, things have changed. So how do you balance, I guess, telling clients mm, what you think they need to hear technically versus like what they just want to pay you to do. Like, how do you, how do you tell them, gosh, this isn't exactly, you know, I can do this, but there's probably a better solution than this. Or, or are you sure you want to do this? Not even for necessarily the whole project, but for say like they're convinced that they want this, this module.
0: No, you make the right decision easier for them. So um, let's take, for example, um, uh, well, so we're drifting a little bit off topic, but I'll, I'll finish that thought. Um, um, so the request was for doing piecemeal, essentially, web work, and it became very apparent to me that, that it was going to be approached as a, a patchwork approach. And so, uh, so I, I did the above and beyond or fine, And I put together um, uh, in time that they weren't using um, that I was, of course, on the clock. I wasn't going to, you know, throw around a whole bunch of extra time that was billable, but time that um, that was available and billing fine um, to produce a proposal uh, that would holistically address their needs. In this case, like they just needed to switch over to a fully featured CMS, like that was just what needed to happen.
1: And but did they want you to like roll one from scratch or like build one out of existing components? Or how did how did
0: that that had been the process? It they'd been I'd been essentially building one from scratch from the ground up, piece by piece, page by page. No,
1: it's kind of fun though, right? Like building. I mean, building a CMS like. Do you, I mean, did you get much enjoyment out of it or were you thinking like, I'm never going to be able to fully meet their needs. They need a, like a battle tested solution.
0: On the clock, my satisfaction is not the goal. Right. I mean, that is, that is not the goal. I need them to get what they need.
1: But if the customer says, we want you to build a CMS and you go, okay. Like, is there, is there.
0: So the, the, the is most there a
1: quandary there, like an we're... ethical quandary, if if they're happy with what you're doing and you're happy with what you're doing, but also you kind of suspect there's a better way and that there's actually a better solution.
0: Well, let me phrase it this way. The danger is that you come to the end of the project and you give them exactly what they asked for and they realize it is unsatisfactory and they are upset.
1: Right, So that's and that's more about, I mean, like again, the lifeblood of any consulting is like, you deal with your customers ethically because, one, you have a reputation, and, two, future business is always worth more than any single project.
0: But you also, these are your clients. You want them to succeed. You want them to win. You want them to get what they want. A lot of these people, you work with them directly for months or you know extended periods of time. You get to know them. These are good folks. You sure. want them to win. No, I
1: mean, I mean, even more beyond than businesses, like you, you relate to them. But like, there's sort of an issue of, um, there's, there's always, almost like a conflict of interest between different, different parties. Like in oh, their yeah, case, it's yeah, like, that's true. you know, their stakeholders would like it to be done in a month. Yep, yep. To a spec that they can hot swap out at any time, and somehow you just sort of instantly go for it. You know, whereas. You as a developer, you want to be. You want to make sure that they're happy with the final result, but sure. also like, even, even if what it seems like they'd be happy with would be a bunch of like monkey patch, just like you know, a bunch of crappy spaghetti code. And then and you give like, them
0: spaghetti code. I mean, like if what you're proposing to do, um, or you're hoping to do, the the quote unquote right way. Um, you know, fully extensible solution or um, in this case, the CM, whatever CMS, if it, if it's not feasible to provide, then the answer is you don't. And part of your responsibility is of course, being able to make estimations to make that determination.
1: Sure. But then it's, it's also a little tricky because you can say, okay, this is what you want in a year. And it's like, okay, but I know that two years from now, you're going to be very unhappy with this. Like for instance, Picking a data store, if you go, here's a data store I'm really familiar with, you know, I know MongoDB really well. It has some performance attributes and issues with it oh, yeah. that make it not fit for, uh, it's, it fits fine for now. But if you continue to grow in two years time, you're going to have some real pain with this. And a part of
0: your billing for is that advice. And so you would provide that as part of a very clearly written and communicated whether it's a proposal or a document you get it in writing you make it clear what your recommendation is you put it in the hands of the the individuals making business decisions and it's up to them to decide so you
1: feel like you give them the trade-offs and then they can evaluate the trade-offs for themselves if they go we might not even be here in two years let's let's do it you know this way that will give us an advantage now. Right. Or they say, okay, we understand the trade-offs.
0: Don't overload them with a bunch of technical, you know, information. Don't, they don't need to know that, you know, oh, the performance, no. Uh, You need to communicate the business decision that they're going to make. They are now making a decision. Are we sinking a large cost now that needs to be revisited or do we commit a larger cost that will depreciate in value less quickly?
1: Right. Like you know, bitrod is real in a sense that not that the code itself is actually changing, but that it's no longer suitable to either requirements of scale or right. even to user expectations. Yeah. Yeah. That's so then to circle back to a more like code based thing is like okay let's say you're in your first two weeks how does your first pull request go
0: uh, oh yeah 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 so um, let's see so uh, again uh, you need to get in early do not number one do not wait uh, and number two don't let them understand that you're in a hurry you please 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 exude an aura of total common ease hide your panic you you haven't seen their code before you don't know what what they're doing what their style considerations are how they approach the problem you need to get in there the moment somebody turns their head you know to you know from the new hire or, or you know in whatever the process is getting you into their system the moment they turn your head you go straight to their code base. You start reading. You start reading, and you find the lowest hanging fruit. And you get in there, and you commit. You put your name in their code.
1: Sure. So you get there because you want to show that. I Now, is that just a sort of a show of faith? Or because, you know, not to go too far afield, but also we can. Um, like, there's something odd about hiring where it's like fully half of people who submit resumes flunk you know like the fizzbuzz phone screen the reason yeah. that everyone complains about the fizzbuzz phone screen is because from our perspective it's insulting hmm. but from a lot of people's perspective they're like look i'm hiring and half these people cannot code their way out of a out of a paper bag yeah so true. is there do you find there's almost like a fear of like inexpertise or even fraudulence or is it more do you usually feel like they feel pretty good about you but you want to show them that you are are working are working fast and are working hard and are not saying oh i'll need three months before i'm comfortable enough to make you know major changes
0: i mean i don't think you fear that um qualification is is something that they're going to be worried about but it's just a better idea to demonstrate uh, reliability and competence early. But the corollary to that is that one of the things you're going to be doing is making estimations. Estimations about how long uh, tasks are going to take. Uh, Estimations about how long the project is going to take. And you can't make valid estimations until you know what's going on. Putting your hands on the code early is one of the best ways that you can start making informed decisions.
1: Right. So you can, because that can have a big, big impact on your planning is if you go, Oh, I assume you're using a totally standard routing solution, you know, for example, or something. So it'll be no problem to just like pass it in. I know how to do that. And then you look at them and they have this weird hand rolled thing or they're using some like very old library and you go, Mm -hmm. you don't want to say my estimate was wrong because you suck. Right. You want to just you would much rather give them a closer estimate up front. Yeah. 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 So then now have you ever in your first pull request, you know, let's say let's say beyond, you know, the one liner bug fix, you know, or like fix a type, you know, like like something that's the one liner bug fix is your friend. Yeah. No, no, those are a great first commit. Right. Is the minor bug fix. But I mean, you can't get a lot of um, pull request feedback. From like, okay, change this, you know, change this value to another value or something or like or like, you know, catch this error. Whereas if you're, say, maybe touching 10 files and writing 100 lines of code, you know, you can get either no feedback, which is kind of scary, or you can get. You're not going to get feedback. In your experience, you don't you don't get like pull request comments from from client coders.
0: I mean, you will, but here's the thing: they didn't bring you on because you know they they don't didn't bring you on because they weren't sure about whether you could do the job. They expect you to bring the expertise to the table. They expect that they're going to be trusting you. And furthermore, you one of the reasons they bring people in is because you aren't a part of their normal decision-making structure their normal approval structure some of the things that you're going to get away with is is circumventing approval processes um not not <clears throat> not quality processes those are those you're definitely doing that but you are how can I no
1: I, I i know what you mean where they're almost delegating more decisions to you. If you say, we're going to bring in this library. Exactly. They go, okay. They go, you're the consultant. You say, you know, not even like, you're, but they go, okay. Whereas maybe if they want to bring in a library in a project, they have a more, you know, like, they have more processes going like, hey, is it a safe license? You know, and so it goes like, mm, I think you still have to do that. Oh, I mean, sure. But I mean, like. If, if I want to bring something in, they go, Hey, is it MIT license? And we're like GPL V2. And I'm like, yeah, they're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like the, there's no further questions, hmm. right? It just, and they're saying like, okay, there's a judgment call you're making and we're going with you. Um, although sometimes something I've experienced both inside and outside of like just in regular enterprise, not as a consultant hmm. is like a rubber stamp code review process.
0: Yeah. I um, don't feel good.
1: And have you ever, had to almost tighten that up because like, there's something very concerning about like, it's like nice to get your pull request back with no comments and approved and you get to merge it in and it works. But then you start noticing that this is happening not just to you because you're a great coder or because you understand their project, but it's happening to everyone. Right. Yeah. And then you see, you go and you look at a pull request and you see mistakes in there and you go, oh, this seems bad or this is questionable. I don't know about this pattern, but you're like merged in four hours ago. And you're like, uh Oh, but, right. I mean the answer
0: is you've got to be the guy doing more of the pull requests or you got to be the person doing more of the pull requests yourself. You've got to be uh, supportive, constructive and positive in the way and, and aggressive in the way that you're contributing. So I mean, you've got to step in there and start helping. Yeah yeah you've got to if they're you're not receiving the feedback that you need you need to provide the feedback they need
1: so this this is kind of interesting because it's i think important to like drill down into is that it's not necessarily a symmetrical relationship it's not like you're joining the team as one of the team members no you're not so in this case part of your role is not only to not necessarily expect great feedback from them on your pull requests but also to you, you start doing more of the pull request feedback yourself. You start, you know, yeah. if you see problems with the code base, So remember shaping it.
0: Remember, one of the reasons why you have sort of support structures internally in a company is they're investing in your development as an employee. They're investing in your skill set and your growth mm-hmm. as an engineer, as an employee, because the company is going to see a return on you getting stronger as an employee. As a consultant, when you leave, you're gone. They are not invested in your long-term growth. It is not in their best interest to spend a bunch of time developing you. You've got a that is your time, that is your growth, that's your investment. Uh, contributing to the growth of their employees is valuable uh, input and valuable. Service that you provide.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So that mm, it's interesting because I I'm sympathetic to that viewpoint, but I kind of almost see it as like, okay, you know, we're the consultant team and you're the client team. But when it comes to code review, you know, everybody take off your assorted badges and uniforms and it's just like, if you see something good, you know, you say, wow, I really like this pattern. Or if you see a problem, you go. 'm a little concerned about this pattern because of X but then on the mm-hmm. other hand as a consultant you are in a different structure so maybe it it's true that you're more you're more on the end of it's your job to play goal there's not an equality of responsibility um, it's your job to play goal line defense because they hired you
0: right right but but we the question um, was about whether you'd seen um, I think the question was about where I'd seen scenarios in which you didn't receive feedback. I've also seen them where you do, um, uh, where the teams uh, independently were better about doing the reviews. I mean, that also happens. Uh, my point being is that you can't expect it. Uh, there are very healthy dynamics. Um, depend- it totally depends on what the team's like. Who sure. you're working with, um, and if you encourage healthy behaviors over time, and you can demonstrate that they're valuable, people will of course respond positively, and they'll give you better, you know, but but
1: even so, there's there's an asymmetry there, like that you you retain you remain aware of, like that you are not a member of the organization, They're right. Not they're not investing in your growth. That that's a uh, big and, consideration. And you're investing in growing them and right. developing their competency.
0: Yeah, that's the consideration that you need to make. Is the relationship is not symmetrical, although it may take the form of a symmetrical relationship, and that's a wonderful experience. Uh, your responsibility is not symmetrical. Yeah.
1: Right. That's that's a really they got interesting perspective uh, on it that I think is. Mm, Probably more correct than just saying, "Okay, it doesn't matter if we're consultants or if we're the client team. We're all in this together." I mean, maybe in, in some areas it is, but in other areas, it's you have a greater responsibility because, you know, why are you here? That right? is the
0: atmosphere you want to cultivate. That's definitely the end goal.
1: So, so there's a kind of camaraderie, but you still feel an additional layer of responsibility oh, yeah. in that, in that solidarity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm.
1: Yeah, that. That makes sense. Uh, Have you have you ever worked on a team where you weren't able to cultivate this, or where you felt there was antagonism? Like, for instance, uh, something that's fairly common in consultant lore is like the team lead who feels like they're in some way they've been cast aside or they're like insulted because they don't feel like they need a consultant, or they feel like you're criticizing. They feel like the process of bringing in outsiders is implicitly a criticism of them have uh, you experienced that uh
0: huh. i don't i don't think no, no, i've which is right. awesome. uh, <laughs> <laughs> no i i mean i i've i've seen toes stubbed or stepped on but not to that extent no i, I don't think anyone felt i've never experienced anyone who felt threatened no
1: mm. i mean that's again i mean some of it is this is the uh, this is sort of the consulting lore of yeah, like yeah. this is something that you are concerned about happening because as it's like as as an outsider you always want to come in and say i'm only going to add positive things to the process because i'm a lot more uh i guess removable yeah oh, yeah yeah um, You're in the sense that if there's someone who's having problems but they're they're a little bit troubled but they've been there for years and they're sort of you know net positive gain then it's like it's easier for them to have some rough edges or even have yeah. some areas where they need to actually be retrained absolutely uh yeah so then uh originally we wanted to talk about way 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 back when i think as long ago as yesterday
0: as long as it goes just yesterday.
1: A, an epoch ago a, several brunches ago mm-hmm. That's uh, right well two but uh what we wanted to talk about was how important it is to match the code style versus elevating it. Right. 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 And how do you balance making the team feel comfortable with your changes and the style versus you feeling comfortable with your changes? Like you feeling like, okay, I'm not just adding crap to a crap pile, right? Like I'm, I'm following best practices. I'm doing things which are not brittle. I'm doing things which are, you know, extensible. Um, But at the same time, not coming in and saying, hey, everybody, I just got here. Let's do everything completely differently, a.k.a. my way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But then but sometimes you got to go, "Okay, your your existing solution is wrong. It has a race condition. You know, it's it's objectively wrong. Right. And then how do you I guess how do you navigate between matching versus fixing or matching versus improving?
0: I mean, the greatest way to win an argument. Is to drown somebody with paperwork, the written word, right? Uh, so I would say, really? <laughs> right?
1: Because I've tried that, and what happens is people go, "Wow, you're really smart," but uh, we're not. I'm not reading this.
0: Well, right. So uh, that's that's actually very possible. Yeah, they might react that way. So I, I would say um, I've had a couple of instances where. Um, we had a decision to make that was uh important we had a technical consideration for example uh, whether there was an upgrade that was necessary um Uh, or uh, you know, remember the whole issue with TLS needed to be upgraded. Right, the SSL certs.
1: Oh yeah, that was yeah, that's a nightmare for any large organization because they don't even know where the stuff is. Oh my goodness.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, to simply implementing more recent language features. Um, you know, uh, listen,
1: Java six was good enough for my grandfather. It's good enough. Oh my goodness.
0: No, it's very fair. They certainly are able to solve the problems that they were able to solve, and probably even next year's problems too. But right, right. Um, But
1: in terms of like quality of life, it's like, you know, for I'm you know very JavaScript focused, and so I was like, you know, ES six is table stakes. Like this is 2017. Like, like, it's not so much that I can't do this. Like I learned ES five. ES six wasn't out even you know when I went to code school. All we did was ES5. We didn't do ES6. It's not like I don't know the ES5, and it's not like I'm not comfortable with it, but I can see ways in which it's less convenient, and it's hard for me to justify this like drop in velocity and expressiveness.
0: So the answer is that
1: um, on that
0: particular proposal for implementing more of the, um, I think we were, what was it? Was it the 2015 specification? Sure um i don't know yeah I'll,
1: I'll agree to any number that sounds re- like sounds like within the realm of time in which i was reading hacker news sure sure <laughs>
0: sure oh oh well anyway yes yes seven right anyway um so uh so part of that was prepare ahead of time um so i put together a presentation um, is that in powerpoint oh god uh there was a powerpoint of course wow there was.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, no, yeah. I mean, there's it's still about val- it, it works.
0: Um, uh, an example project, um, that showed sort of the features implemented in various states that we could quickly display what was possible. And I scheduled a time for approval with the appropriate senior principal engineers. The goal was not to teach them how to do everything, the goal was to show them that there was going to be value in terms in this case in terms of project velocity the goal was to show them that i could speed up their team
1: right and that's that's so key to balance um basically i think it was like investment versus consumption right right where it's like you explain it to somebody like okay yes we can just eat these seeds or mm. we can plant them and then we can have a lot more you know then it's like we can grow a lot more
0: and if you can't convince them that's true, then maybe you shouldn't be making the change, you know? I mean, so you've got to make sure that you're communicating your point very effectively, go through the appropriate channels. Uh, you know, I didn't schedule an informal discussion, but I literally went to somebody and said, hey, let's schedule some time with the team to go through this proposal. We went through more formal structured channels.
1: So did you bring it up at all before or would you just see this and go okay i know how to do this or i know how to pitch this and then do your pitch or was there did it start with like i mean it started comments. with does it start informal or does it go formal almost immediately
0: oh yeah yeah it starts informal and you know you you sort of see a program or argument brewing and you just you don't want to, that's not how you want to resolve but the conversation. You, you, don't,
1: you don't indulge it informally. You don't I'm go, well, let me explain to you why this sucks.
0: You can't afford to. No. I mean, you can't
1: engage with that,
0: um, partially because it's unproductive, and secondarily because it just, I mean, that's not what you're there to do. Um, yeah, so, you, I mean, again, your, your goal is to provide them with informed decisions. Uh, and your job is to give them, right? provide for them an opportunity to have the time they need to focus on the things they need to focus on sure
1: but now let's let's take it back to what do you do if just some of the established code is just just real crappy just real low quality do you do you refactor or in, in some cases in some cases it's not even like the code is bad it's just old and hard to work no. with and can be superseded do you
0: no you absolutely don't refactor their code no you don't no, if there's not a if there's not a direct value, no.
1: So you don't you don't so as like an ownership model because this this is an odd transition from like enterprise where it's almost like okay, this is my garden and I need to weed my garden. Because I'm going to be on call for my garden if it has a high severity issue due sure. to like crappy legacy code. Well, here's but I the guess thing. as a consultant, is that it's different?
0: Is that legacy code actually a threat to their business operations? If it is, then absolutely, you're going to be addressing it. Um, but if it's but
1: at the right time, not just when you first are annoyed by it.
0: No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're right. You're going to make an evaluation. You see, a, if you see a real problem, obviously you're going to you're going to go ahead and you're going to alert uh, the appropriate parties. You're going to alert the stakeholders and uh, whatever the, your escalation uh, but, policies. But you really avoid are. the
1: temptation of of I guess almost like overfitting ownership of like saying, okay, I want this code to look more like the code that I would write.
0: I'm why would you do that? I mean, um, well, I mean
1: in, in one case, like I can give a real example where it's like if the old code is like a ball of spaghetti and each, uh, there was a system I worked on where each new minor feature took about as much time as I would have guessed it would have taken to re to rewrite the entire system from scratch, including handling edge cases, including passing existing integration tests. Mm-hmm. And after about the third feature I went it, It doesn't take two weeks of intensive effort to like grab a value from a text node and then submit, you know, like, and then submit it and then have it go to a new page with a query string. Like, there's something wrong with the system. But you're talking about velocity is so low.
0: I mean, but you again, you're talking about a scenario in which uh, your 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 output is negatively impacted or the team's output is negatively impacted measurably
1: but uh, by a tech debt so is it because i whenever i think about tech debt i always think about like or even just sort of old code or code written in kind of questionable patterns i think well it's always a measurable velocity just the fact that uh, i have to nah. read this crazy code over and over again and
0: do you know how you do that um, it, a lot of companies, of course, not all of them, do, uh, but many companies do a great job of doing task estimations. So whether you've got a whether you've got a, a task board or or a sprint planning board, compound board, whatever, um, you'll estimate the um, you'll do Russ estimations for task uh, costs in terms of hours, man hours, uh, sorry, uh, programmer hours um and what you should do is you should see a systemic problem with tasks exceeding estimated development times and that will be your measure for when the refactoring sure, for is you that's necessary. that's
1: the, like the the dead fish te- or it's like like the when the code smell becomes a problem is yeah. when you're you're giving out these estimates and you're not hitting them yeah but so from the perspective of a client even if you, and there's always this like programmer arrogance where it's like, you know, anytime someone mentions like a company, they're like, what? I, I could do that company's that product company's product in a weekend. And it's like, well, no, obviously you couldn't. You know, you, no. you could do a approximation of it. You know, you could do 70% of what they do, but it turns out all the value is locked in that last 30%, you know, or all I mean, the value is locked in getting so, it right.
0: So, if, so here's the thing, like if you're right, then the velocity will increase. Like, if the refactor is really worth doing, then you will see those tasks start to come in on time.
1: So even, but then even if maybe the problem itself is the um, the estimate, right? Where it's like, okay, everyone correctly estimates these things and they're like, okay, it's going to take two weeks. And you're like, really, this, this doesn't feel like it, you know, it does take two weeks, but... I've worked on other systems that were similar in some attributes and this took, you know, a day. Yeah. Is that, is that even necessarily useful knowledge to bring in or, or do you, is it there cases where you feel like their constraints or their velocity are different where, I mean, you never get a true apples to apples comparison, right? Because there's always something different in the build tool. There's always something different in the requirements. There's always, I
0: mean, that's part of the discussion that you're going to have with the team,
1: Uh, but you're going to bring in like, Hey, I don't think it takes you know. Let's say someone's. This is a real one that happened to me. They said it's, it's going to take us six months to introduce front end routing, and I was like, I did it in a similar system in a, in five days.
0: Remember, questions are your friend. Right. I mean, that's that's my answer to that. Questions are your friend. Start asking questions in the meetings.
1: But I mean, your question can't be. This seems like it takes too long, right? Like that's like like how do you how do you sort of gently suggest. Uh, perhaps there's a better way. Or do you do you advocate for that quietly or right. do you just simply kind of do it on your end and they go, wow, how did you finish that so fast?
0: Mm, right. Yeah, I mean, sometimes... Right, maybe sometimes the answer is how did, how did you do it so fast? Uh, but, um, I mean, hey, I, I've noticed that we've got uh, a couple of these tasks scheduled out for two weeks. Do you mind breaking that down for me?
1: Mm, that's That's actually that's a really good piece of advice like that's something where like instead of going this sucks what kind of bums work i mean obviously you never actually say that Mm. but you can ask questions in a meeting that are kind of they're totally professional they're you know they're they're technical they're focused but they're still kind of throwing shade on the other on the engineering team you know it's like you know it's like well since we're going to not be using immutable data structures and we have mutations throughout the code base Uh, This task will take more time because it's impossible to guarantee. You know, it's like, sure, where everything you're saying is technically true, but you are offering up a critique even before you're asking the question. The question itself is not purely meant in good faith.
0: Uh, well, I mean, I mean, that's a bad way to do it. But if you
1: say, I want a task breakdown, there's no extra flavoring, right? You're just saying, I'd love a task breakdown, and then you can actually pick up. The individual subtasks and go, now why do we do that? Now yeah. why do we do that? Now why? And without yeah. having to say, well, I know it's because you're grossly incompetent, but you know. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, you, you obviously, you never do that. But what's interesting. In well,
0: uh, well you know, there are well, some rare occasions where you might actually do
1: that. Because I was going to say, like in enterprise and in startups, you do do that sometimes. Sometimes yeah. you, uh, you have an honest to goodness, like, design fight. And like, it's ugly, like documents get written, documents get critiqued, voices get raised, <laughs> you know, egos get involved, the, the person who implemented the original system gets in some cases, frankly, like, they get their feelings hurt. In some cases, they get permanently embittered. Yeah. And you obviously you want to avoid that. But at the same time, you're like, okay, we have to do this. But as a consultant, I've never at least I haven't run into that yet. But where's a case where you're like? This is going to be bruising. Like I'm not, I'm, I can't, in good faith, do my job without stepping on someone's toes without hurting someone's feelings.
0: Um. Well, again, I think that that going through a more formalized approval process helps soften that blow. Um, there are time, you know, there was an instance where um, there was a piece of technology, it was somebody's baby, it was really, they did a great job on it, but it wasn't necessarily meeting a business need um, internally, and so there, was, there were real conversations to be had, and so you couldn't make it personal, you shouldn't make it personal, but you had we had a conversation about not the deadlines that were under discussion. We just raised the conversation about the deadline after that, you know, Mm. how how does this, how does this tie into our long-term planning goals in terms of what comes next? And as the conversation continued, it became quite apparent that the current, not sprint, but, Current epic task, you know, which is a collection of individual tasks, all part of the same project or initiative, weren't going to directly meet the requirements of the next.
1: And so, and right, so that's a that's a great question to say, not even the next point, but say, how does this? I guess again, this is about like, you know, planning for next year or asking right. questions about next year which what's interesting with with many projects even as a consultant i'm surprised at how vague they are it's like they're uh, they're bringing in people who are on the clock are hmm. charging hourly and are pretty expensive and who are very competent but when the client doesn't necessarily know what they want it can be hard to assess okay does this code meet your needs for the future when you know you can't even tell me what's going on two sprints from now is it do you find that there's like a universal standard of best practices where you go, this more or less works, you know, like that's that sort of like, this is more or less, this is correct. Almost always, this is incorrect. Almost always. Or at that point, are you really just going, okay, all I can do is focus on the next two weeks. You know, I can't, I can't help you plan for next year.
0: I mean, yeah, you can only do what you can do. Um, yeah, Like you might not be there two years from now, that's for sure. But um, listen, you've got a limited, you've got a limited scope of what you can contribute. You're not an army, you know. They, if it's just you, of course you you can plan everything based on your own capacity. But often you're working with a team you're not going to change what they're
1: capable of, Uh you know, but, but even more than that, if, if there are sort of stakeholders who are kicking the can down the road, yeah, right? Like, you know, you, you can help them out, but if, if it becomes clear that they, in some cases, they don't even have the authority to say, crystallize a vision to say this, yes, this is what we want. They're like, I'm moving in this vague direction, but there's levels above me who may change this.
0: I mean, like in the worst possible scenario where like this is, I mean, like you're kind of hinting at a a really dysfunctional scenario. I mean, if it's really bad
1: to me, that's funny because I've rarely encountered, you know, I'm like, wow, this is really great. We've got acceptance criteria. Wow like I'm and and not that it's dysfunctional but it's more mm, I I can see I can see how you could characterize it as dysfunctional but in some cases it's simply open-ended and they're doing this exploration and maybe even the entire project is speculative.
0: Oh, I oh, I see what you mean. You know, well, I mean help them solidify it. I mean like if if they don't have if they don't have a path forward, then like help them write that path. If there's they don't have a proposal ready help them write the proposal if it requires writing documentation or documents uh, well actually check your contract first (laughs)
1: that's that's another uh key point of wisdom here um check your contract first check your contract (laughs) Um, first because right you you obviously want to be helpful and pitch in that's what you're being paid to do but at the same time uh if what they're asking for vastly exceeds the scope of your of you know the work you're contracted yeah, for, you gotta
0: stop. Then, yeah.
1: I, what what I found I've had experience with is um, I'll add features that I think are a good idea or I think will be mm-hmm. useful or or even just I'm going to make this more robust because I believe this will be extended in the future. You based better on what have what been selling that.
0: What? Well, you better have been billing that.
1: Yeah. uh, Well, no. This is when I was I was uh, salaried in enterprise. Okay. So you know, it's it's like moving money from one pocket to the other. Sure, sure. But but what I found is that I got my heart broken a couple times because I'd write this feature. (laughs) I think it was really cool, and they were like, "Okay, where did you get the acceptance criteria for this?" I'm like, "I just I thought it was a cool thing to do." I'm like, "Okay, who told you that we needed this?" I'm like, "Nobody," but I think based on my experience, I think you will. I think you'll you'll be glad to have this later. And they're like, okay, well, it's not on the sprint. I'm like, yeah, it's just this cool thing that I made. And like, I've never gotten, I've gotten, I've probably gotten better reactions than I deserved sometimes. <laughs> like, and sometimes people were like, wow, this is really cool. Like, they were they were excited about it. They're like, oh, that's like your, you know, um, I wasn't at Google, but I was in an org that was doing something like Google's twenty percent time. So they're yeah. like, oh, okay, that's your twenty percent time project. Good all of it. In some cases they even said, you know, I had a particularly, um, a really good manager who even said, you know, people are going to say this isn't important and that we should focus on, you know, the widget and fixing this backlog. But like, I think it is important. So I'm going to cover for you. Okay. You know, I'm going to give, but at the same time, I never really got the level of buy-in or adoption that I wanted because I went beyond the scope of my role. I went vastly beyond the scope of my role and I didn't try to, Build consensus or get sign-offs from it. I just did it and thought that people would love it once it was done. I mean, sometimes they, that makes you into a hero, though. Yeah, but but they didn't, and so I think for a consultant that, like, you know, as a soured employee in enterprise, is like that's cute, that's cute, and it's like, oh you know, you, you don't know how it works. But I guess as a consultant, that's death because it's like, you know, it's like if someone comes in and says, "Hey, I want you to fix my engine," you go. I didn't fix your engine, but I painted your car red and I gave it, you know, flames on the side. Yeah,
0: I and mean, sometimes you can get your so like something something that um, uh, is true. of A lot of, of these projects you're going to work on is uh, your are the person you're working uh, for. You've got like a, a, a champion. Uh, and what I mean by that is is you have a stakeholder at the company who manages your project. It's their butt on the line, essentially, mm-hmm. right? So the project is either owned, operated, or or accountable to them, uh, and its success will you know determine their success. Um, and if you get off budget, if you head in a direction. Uh, That's unexpected or not approved. You might be endangering, not endangering, but you might be.
1: I mean, in some cases, literally endangered. It's like this is PMs get PMs come and go a lot more than devs because devs can always be recycled. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You you really could be putting somebody in a bad spot. Uh, Get things approved. I mean, really, just document what you want to do, put it forward to be approved go but, through the correct channels yeah
1: but in terms of finding a, a champion is it have you ever been able to find someone who does have sign-off power and you show them what you're doing and they're able to give you more latitude yeah because they like what you're doing and so now even though it really is just you coming up with an idea in the shower they're the ones who sign it off yeah. and say yes this is officially part of our thing now of course yeah yeah so that's, so and what are, once what are I
0: was wrong, uh, yeah. once I was wrong.
1: So ha- what happened then?
0: <laughs> oh, I, I think the contract terminated at the, so there was a, an option to continue. So we had a, we had a feature we designed, we, we rolled out. Um, there was a budget, uh, for several months. I think it was like a, a four month block of, of contract for pretty much full time for one person. Um, And uh, I put together a proposal I thought was appropriate for the project. I thought it was a necessary feature. And it wasn't the highest priority for their... Well, I mean, it was determined probably not to be the highest priority for the project. And as a result, they felt they didn't need to continue for another leg. Uh, Mm. um,
1: I mean, I don't know exactly... I obviously and that, that company was Enron. Ron all, no sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> no it, it no I mean in some cases yeah it may just be your perspective and theirs are not they're not aligned and maybe even years down the road they realize okay actually we do need that now yeah Um but it's just you know wrong place wrong time
0: uh, I mean uh, security roles and authorization always belong in your software oh my goodness
1: no no here's what you do you just this is this is a very common belief about u- user experience, about UX, and it's also a very yeah. common belief about like auth and roles, and also about authorization and authentication, is that yeah. we build whatever we want, and then you come in and you sprinkle your magic dust, your magic uh, authorization roles dust at the magic. end, or you sprinkle in your magic UX dust, but it won't impact you know, anything else, it won't impact the fundamental design of the system. Oh, of course. Not. It won't. You know, user input is for is for figuring out what color a button should be. It's not for figuring out that this actually this app should actually be completely different. You know, oh there's goodness. there's something dangerous about, like doing things in, I guess, the wrong order, but also like, yeah, how do you push for we were, we were joking about this the other day is contrived user acceptance stories where it's like, mm. or, or not user acceptance, contrived like, user stories where he says, as a user i want and it's like as a user i want to have um federated and composable authorization roles because it's not possible to manage these iam roles uh manually and it's I mean, like yeah. well actually no users ever asked for that
0: well uh, the the no, answer no, to that is think of a way to transform that into ghost stories for them so that it the value that comes up here so so talk about these. what do you mean by ghost sure stories? you're gonna so let's talk about those those security rules uh so user story is in in no possible scenario in no possible scenario would an anonymous user be capable of causing data loss or degradation because of a submission to an administrative form.
1: But doesn't that also almost feel like, again, like table stakes where it's like, what do you want in a restaurant? I'm like, Oh, I want it to be friendly. I want the service to be fast. I want the food to be good. I don't want a knife wielding maniac to stab me in the face, sure. you know? And it's like, all right, you don't need to put as a bullet point, Fast, friendly, convenient. No one will stab you in the face. It's well, like,
0: you could say safe or secure, right? Yeah,
1: it's like it's like I, I don't I don't expect to be stabbed when I go to a restaurant. Um, I especially don't expect to be stabbed by design, right? Mm-hmm. I especially don't expect to be stabbed by but the chef.
0: But here's the problem: the knife was in the design, right? Right.
1: So no, that right, and which is actually this is a perfect metaphor, right? But, well, not I wouldn't say perfect. Stabbing in the face is not always a perfect metaphor for life. But yeah. it, it is that like, yeah, the chef has knives and they're gonna be cooking things and they're gonna be chopping things up with the knives. Yeah. So you can't say we're gonna make it safer by removing all the all the cutlery.
0: If your API has an endpoint that's a delete endpoint and it's not <laughs> oh my god, it's not secured yet, that's a knife.
1: Right. But I mean, but even having a delete command, but it's like, okay, well, are you getting a haircut or are we chopping off your head?
0: Oh yeah, you know, you know, and it's like you need to get a haircut. Yes. But
1: also, you expect the barber not to chop your head off.
0: Soft delete, soft delete, archive right. also. But of course, on the flip side of that, make sure you're GDPR compliant.
1: Right, exactly. Make sure, or, or if you're in anything medical, you know, that you're protecting like a yeah. PHI, like HIPAA violations can be very expensive. Oh, my goodness. Um, and, and they're by violation. So it's like oh, if yeah. you expose a database of millions of records, and someone actually retrieved a dump of it, it would be, you know, you're done. Yeah. It's just whatever that company is, is over now. And you need to incorporate as a new company. But so, so there's, but, but, but is there a good way to talk about these sort of, you know, what I think of as sort of safety and sanity, you know, like, like do you find it's useful to explicitly talk about those? Or do you get a sense of this client, has a good grasp on these issues or this client has never heard of authorization.
0: I, mean, I don't, I, I honestly don't think I've, I've come to a satisfactory answer myself for how you can really a- approach that. Um, uh, security is always the first thing that receives not enough attention. Uh, right.
1: Cause it's, it's not visible No. to, especially, I mean, it's, it's, it's not visible to stakeholders.
0: No. Until it is. Uh, I mean you need to you need to come up with a language that you need to come up with a language that makes sense to them to make smart decisions. And might that might end up being risk analysis. You might just say like that's what I was trying to hint at before is you are you need to communicate what the risks really are. Like is the is the risk is the risk data exposure, is the risk are there legal considerations right. they have to worry about? And then how likely are those risks?
1: Right. Um, so that's. Mm, and it's hard to say what, like, it's hard to give percentages. And you know, so that's what's the percentage chance. And it's right. like, well, if nobody gives a shit about this API, it's 0% chance. You know, it's like if no, if it's an exposed API that no non-public user, or no non-private user would ever call or know about or have an interest in, then so the should security call
0: security se- okay oh is, we is,
1: could. it's a bullshit idea but also it works a maddeningly large percent of the time think about how many people have their house key hidden within five feet of their front door
0: yeah but here's the problem there's no automated service that
1: that lets you find people that lets you find people's keys and then go into their house and steal their stuff and bring it to your house
0: yeah by the way that's coming right
1: that's a that's a pretty good startup actually yeah, now that i think, I think about great. it that's you just what you do is you just it's just a drone with a metal detector, and oh. if it finds something key shaped, it enter, it enters their house. Oh my god! That that's hold on, that uh, we might need <laughs> we, might to... we might need to cut right here. <laughs>